Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Flea Flicker. I am your host, John Murray. And um, it has actually been a couple of days. Again, like I told you, when I get a chance to knock out, knock out some episodes, uh, I certainly will do my very best to uh, do so. Um, of course, uh, I was off from work today, again today, so I have a chance to certainly do some episodes and certainly get information, information for you as best as, best as I can. And I'll start off with most of my podcast. For those who are joining for the very first time, I want to say thank you for doing so. And please invite your family, your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, fellow co-workers, whomever you need to invite. Please, please invite them on into the podcast. Please come on in and join. And please enjoy your stay. And like I said before, and I'll say it again, I want Facebook and I want Twitter. Those are the only two media outlets I'm on. Uh, if you got any questions or you got an opinion, if you want me to answer a question for you, whether it's whether it's anything to do with your with your team, a certain player, or any fantasy fantasy questions, I'll do the best I can to answer it as best I can for you. And for those who've been from day one, I want to say thank you for continuing to come on back. And again, invite your family, your friends, your loved ones, whomever you need to. Again, we're doing the best we can to, to get to get the pod these episodes out, these podcasts, and knock knock them out, knock these episodes out. Um. There's not much else I can really say or much else I can really think think right now. Uh, let's let's jump let's jump right into things. And the first bit of uh if first bit of news I want to put out there is and this is for I guess for fantasy football fans right now, uh, there was a buzz. There's a buzz going around that um Christian McCaffrey has a uh, has hurt his ankle. I believe he did during practice. Uh that's about all I've got for you. I don't know. No more news has come out. No more news has come out that he is it's a, a badly injured ankle or whatever. I got a uh, ESPN update where it said that he had hurt he had hurt his ankle, I believe, during practice. We don't know how bad it is or what's going on. So hopefully for uh, fantasy footballers who own Christian McCaffrey, and I'll admit I have him, I believe, in a couple of leagues. Uh, certainly, that's a, a situation that you need to keep. That you need to keep, you know, need to keep out for. Uh, and let's say for some for some unexplained reason, that he does have he does have to. He's out. He's out for the week, which you certainly hope hope he's not. Or you know, you know, injury's not you know extended stay on the IR or you know something like that. Um, they've got Foreman, who they got Foreman and Hubbard are two guys that if. If they you know, for an extended period of time, fantasy owners need to keep out on those two guys. With that being said, it puts a lot more pressure on one Baker Mayfield, and we'll see if Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield can step up their game. But again, speculation right now. All we know, at least all that I know, is he does something his ankle in practice, and that's all I've got. But for those, for those, if you're a Carolina Panther fan or fantasy football owner who owns. Christian McCaffrey your league. Certainly keep certainly keep an eye on that situation. Alright. Now let's jump into let's jump into some uh talk. And let's talk about the let's talk about a couple of AFC South teams. Let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Now the Colts who have gotten off to a sluggish start, they uh tied they um had a tie the first week and they turned and lost to Jack Jacksonville the next week. Uh a lot of struggles have been going on. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, he's kind of struggled a little bit in the first two weeks of the season. Um, 
I mean, John Dill had a great first week, kind of settled down the second in the second week. The defense, the defense hasn't played totally bad. The defense hasn't played that bad, really. Going into the season, we all knew the Colts had one had a pretty decent defense going into the season. Now that um, now they have missed Shaquille Leonard, who is one of their linebackers, his leg for the first couple of weeks. Yes, he's been healing from injuries, been healing from surgery he had in the offseason. So, again, but again, it had, the, the Colts' defense really hasn't been the biggest issue with them. Um, I know special teams is an issue, and then they cut their kick, their kicker, Blankenship, uh, former University of Georgia kicker. They cut him, and they're now trying to find, they're trying to find a new kicker, somebody to come, you know, to come in. But the biggest thing, I think, right now the biggest thing has been the offense. Matt Ryan, you know, Matt Ryan, as we heard during camp, Matt Ryan was uh, coming in. He was taking over. He was taking over, being a solid leader. Now, Matt probably is the is a better quarterback, I think, than Philip Rivers was at the late stage of his career. I think he was better than Jacoby Brissett. To be honest with you, they've missed Andrew Locke. They haven't had a quality quarterback since Andrew Locke. Locke, excuse me, left, left, you know, left to retire. Now, Matt has kind of struggled a little bit. The offensive line has had its ups and downs. Matt has ups and downs. Jonathan Taylor, good first week. Not so good a second. Not so good in the second week. And again, defenses are saying, okay, we're going to bottle up Jonathan Taylor, and Matt Ryan's going to have to beat us. Now, I've always said the biggest thing with the Colts was they had Michael Pittman. Pittman had a pretty solid first week, hurt last week. He was hurt last week, missed last week. Um, and, uh, there's a 50-50 chance he could play this week, and again, a 50 chance he might not play this week. So it's 50-50 for Pittman. But I've always said after Michael Pittman, who else you rely on? And that's always been the biggest issue, I thought, with the Jacksonville, I mean, excuse me, with the Indianapolis Colts. That's your biggest issue. Who are they going to rely on other than Michael Pittman? I mean, they've got young, young receivers. They drafted a receiver, Alex Pierce from uh, University of Cincinnati. Uh, I think he missed last week with concussion issues. Um, yeah, Paris Campbell uh, from Ohio State. He's been, he's been there for I think it's his third year, but he's been injury prone, injury prone. Uh, of course, you know, uh, T. Y. Hilton is no longer with the Colts, so they're thinking about bringing him back. But T. Y. has to me seen his his best days are certainly way behind him. For me, the Colts made the big mistake. I had no problem with them bringing in Matt Ryan. I thought it was a nice signing. I still think it could be a good signing. But I'm sure the Colts fans are probably scratching their head and figures we need a young quarterback. And not saying that, I'm not saying maybe that's something that the Colts will think about in next year's draft. Don't I, you know, I don't really know. I think it's something that they would certainly have to look into. Matt Ryan is not a spring chicken. I think Matt's, what, 36, 37 years old now. So that is not not a spring chicken. That's probably something they're gonna have to look look toward the future. The Colts, who offensive line had gotten better the last couple of years, and it's been kind of struggling a little bit. They did re-sign Quentin Nelson, Nelson to a contract extension, which Nelson's one of the better, it's one of the top guards in this league. They do have uh, Ryan Kelly, a guy they signed. I believe they signed last offseason to a contract extension. So I do I do like I do like those two. Um, the left tackle spot, I think, has been a spot that's been kind of up and down. They had a retirement of Anthony Cananza, who was a pretty solid left tackle. He he retired uh, last season. They've had some 
some struggles at left tackle spot. Um, to me, to me, that's something they need to address. They've got a couple of good linemen. They probably need to add another another lineman there to get the linemen to get the offensive line a little bit better. You've got one of the running back, better running backs in the league in Jonathan Taylor. Some say he may be the number one running back in this league. But the biggest issue with the Colts, I've always thought, was the receiving core. I like Michael Pittman, but you got nobody else. And to me, I think that was a mistake from the Colts. Yes, you traded for Matt Ryan. I have no issue with that. But the problem is, you did not get yeah, you did not get somebody to go with Michael Pittman. That was an issue. I mean, you had guys like I mean Jarvis Landry's out there. You could have brought Jarvis Landry in and put him with Michael Pittman and have something. I mean, there's other receivers. I mean, to be honest with you, you could have gone out and got Cole Beasley. Of course, Cole Beasley now is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just signed him, what, a couple days ago. I could have cared less if he went out and got Cole Beasley. I could have cared if he reached out to Will Fuller, you know, former uh, Texan and Dolphin. I could have cared less if he reached out to him and tried to bring him in and maybe sign him to a deal. It wouldn't have mattered to me. At least it'd be somebody else to go with Michael Pittman. But again, that's what the Colts failed to do. They failed to do that. Now, they did, like I said, they used a draft pick for Alex Pierce. But Pierce, I'm not the biggest. I'm not really completely sold on Alex Pierce. But you need a number two. Now, they had some tight ends. A tight end, again, it's a situation. They could have addressed the situation. Uh, again, to me, there was a, I don't care who went out and got, you know, Jared Cook, a veteran. I think Jared Cook is on, on nobody's roster that I'm assuming. I can go as a way I got him and put him with Matt Ryan as a veteran tight end. I've been cool with that. But again, to me, I think the Colts have failed, have failed their fans by not making these upgrades. Another offensive lineman, maybe, yeah, you know, and some receiving help. Now, again, the defense has, hasn't played badly thus far. The defense was supposed to be one of the top defenses in the league. At least one of the tops, maybe top ten, if you want to go there. But this is an issue. This is an issue that has to be addressed. Now, they're off. They're off to, let's say, I can't, they're off to oh, one and one start. You tied, I believe you tied, the, you tied the Texans. The Texans have played pretty solid defense going the first two weeks. It's just their offense has been a huge issue. <coughs> but again, it seems like the reverse of the Colts when the defense has played well. I think the offense has been a problem. And <coughs> a lot of people want to put it all on, on Matt Ryan. Well, maybe Matt can show a little bit of blame. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. A little bit, little bit of a... Uh, Call fair again. I've had some allergy issues the last couple of days and trying to shake it off. But for me, I think I think the bottom line is the Colts are off to a slow start because it's their offense. And to be honest with you, I think the I think the Colts have nobody to blame but them but themselves. There's nothing wrong with the running game. You got Jonathan Taylor. You got the pieces the pieces around him. But the thing is, you got to have no offensive lineman. You gotta have some receivers and maybe a, a decent tight end. That is something. That is something the Colts have failed to do. Now, <coughs> I think, to be honest with you, as the season goes on, I think this is gonna be a huge issue for the Colts. But I don't think the Colts are worried about going out and getting another receiver or two or getting a tight end. I don't think that's. And I think for Colts fans, that is a sad, a sad situation. Is. It is. They've got a pretty decent defense. You've got a veteran quarterback that can certainly 
at least get you into the playoffs. But sometimes his protection is questionable. And with that, people are going to start to, you know, again, offense is going to start to key on one Jonathan Taylor, and they're going to want Matt Ryan in that receiving court to beat you. But if you double-cover Michael Pittman, then you're asking pretty much these other receivers to beat you, which they can't do. And I think that's where, again, like I said before, and I'll say it again, I think that is where Chris Ballard and Chris Ballard's done an outstanding job to give the devil the due of putting together a quality team for the Colts the last few years. But I think this is the one time that he has slipped up. That he certainly, like I said, he needs to get another receiver too, other than Michael Pittman. He needs to get a, a decent tight end. Now, whether that, I don't know if they're going to reach out to any free agencies or you know, free agents that are still out there on the market that can come in and help the Colts out. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know if I see them doing that. Now, I think it's a situation where let's just go with what we got. Now, I know we're, into, we're going into week three, and I know some people don't want to push the, you know, the panic button, but let's be honest with you. I don't see a change unless the receiving core, you know, turns out to be way better than it's presented itself to be. Again, Michael Pittman coming back would certainly be a, a help, a bonus, but again, it's Michael Pittman and Bust, and to me right now, they're kind of busting. Michael Pittman needs help. Michael Mike, Matt Ryan needs help. So for the Colts fans, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, guys, do you need to upgrade your receiving core? I don't care how you do it, but that's your key, and that's the key. An offensive line, a tight end, and a, and a couple more receivers is what you really need to up to step up this offense. You've got a, you've got a, you've got a good running back here. That's your quarterback. But again, if you guys don't make the playoffs then it's pretty much on you guys. You made the mistake by not doing that, getting more receiving help and getting a tight end and maybe an offensive lineman. Now let's stay in the AFC South. Let's talk about a team that the Colts were supposed to contend with this season is the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans have looked pretty pretty bad the first first couple of weeks of, of the year. Um, look, one rat, Ryan Tannehill, he continues to... Uh, Struggle. Ryan Tannehill's continuing to struggle. He has, I don't know what it is. Ryan has lost, has lost touch, faith, whatever you want to say it is. And Ryan is not playing at all. The Tennessee Titans have gone through a, I think the last couple, the last few seasons they've lost, they've lost, a, you know, a couple they've lost some key offensive linemen, and I think you know they've been able to in the past to somehow. Get an offensive line or two in there to replace them, but I think this is this year. I don't think the offensive line has played that 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 good. They've lost too many pieces in the last couple of years by not re-signing them, letting them go to free agency, and I think that's the part that's come back to hurt them. Ryan Tannehill, he's digressed. When when Tannehill first got to Tennessee, he was a pretty he he, he was a totally different quarterback. He played he played well. He kept teams. He kept your know, defenses honest. He didn't have the key on Derrick Henry. Now, again, again, the offense relies on one Derrick Henry. Now, Derrick Henry had 80, 80 some yards the first week, but he could barely get 20 yards last week, but he did score a touchdown. And I know that's a thing that fantasy owners are certainly scratching their heads and banging their heads in the wall. I know a lot of people use a first round draft pick on one Derrick Henry. Now, to me, I still think Derrick can run the ball, but again, 
certainly the issue is Ryan Tannehill's is being inconsistent. I'm not really sold on the offensive line. The worst part goes this. You traded the, your best receiver, A.J. Brown, off to the Philadelphia Eagles because you did not want to, because I guess, in, in, in lack of a better term, you were cheap. I know you had money put into Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry is 28 years old. Derrick Henry is, is in great shape. Everybody's seen this Derrick's workouts. He's a, he's a beast when it comes to working out. But, the, you know, but you let A.J. Brown go. You brought in Robert Woods. Now, I'm a Robert Woods fan, but Robert Woods is not a number one receiver. He's a, he's a, he's a solid number two, and he proved that he proved that when he was with the Rams. He's a solid number two behind one Cooper Cup. Now, Burks, the guy from the University of Arkansas we drafted, they felt he is that A.J. Brown moment. Now, he struggled the first week, certainly enhances, enhanced it the second week. But, I said, but in time, Burks is going to have to, I guess he's going to put the foot on the gas and he's going to have to really accelerate his progress. Again, you know, again, the receiving core, other than Robert Woods, it doesn't really impress me that much. The offensive line is not what he used to be. Tannehill is not the same quarterback as he was when he first got to Tennessee. Now, again, Ryan struggled in Miami, and that's why the guy that's why he went to Tennessee. Now again, when he got to Tennessee, Evan didn't like the the, you know, the the switch. The light switch went off, and he started playing that ball. But last year, last year he struggled a little bit. Last year, and it was evident in the playoff. He was he was the biggest reason, pretty much why Tennessee lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. Because to me, if they had just ran the ball down the Bengals' throat, I think they would have beaten the Bengals. But that's not the here nor there. Defense on Tennessee. Improved a little bit last year. They had struggled. They had struggled a little bit under Mike Rabel, but they got better. Now I think this year they have been. They've been okay. But I think the biggest thing is just like the Indianapolis Colts. It's the offense that seems to be the biggest issue. I have more confidence in Matt Ryan than I do in Ryan Tannehill. Offensive line. I like the Colts a little bit better because they've got two pretty good offensive linemen, and Kelly and Nelson. I'm not so sure about Tennessee. You can pick your poison between Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. The Colts have Michael Pittman. Then you got Robert Woods. I like Pittman a little better than I do Woods. Now the tight end, I give the Titans, I give the Titans an edge of tight end. They did, they did have, they did have Hooper in the off season, which I thought was a nice pickup, nice pickup for uh, Tennessee. I thought they did an outstanding job in addressing that situation in the off season by getting a quality tight end. But the Colts have the same problem as Tennessee. It's the offense is struggling. Now, it got so bad in the night that Malik they got they got pounded. They pounded so badly by the Buffalo Bills on Monday night that we got a chance to see Malik Willis. Now, granted, you know, they, we got to see Malik Willis. And Malik Willis, he's not ready. He's not ready for the NFL. He's not ready for prime, for prime time. There might be a little, you know, glimpse glimpse. But to be honest with you. To be honest with you, it's not Willis's time yet. Tannehill will still be, my guess is Ryan Tannehill is going to still be the quarterback moving forward. And to be honest with you, that's probably the best. That's probably the best thing because because Tennessee should be contention in this division. And your best bet is let Ryan Tannehill. Let you got to take your lumps with Ryan Tannehill. I know Tennessee fans are probably saying I've lost my mind when I'm saying this, but you got to take your lumps. Tennessee. 
Yeah, they yeah they got forty one points put upon them by the Buffalo Bills, but for the first two weeks, Buffalo Bills have made even made the Rams look pretty bad. Now the Bills have a tough matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Everybody in the Brotherhood wants to see wants to see that game. But but again, we'll see if if the defense comes around. The defense there they they they've added a couple of pieces here, a couple of pieces there. And I thought the defense would be a little bit better this year. Hopefully it's now again. Taking out the Buffalo Buffalo Bills game, I'm interested to see how this defense does moving forward. But the biggest thing right now is Ryan Tannehill has got has got to find he's got to be the guy that he was you know a couple of years ago where he kept defenses honest. The offensive line has got to come together. Now, if the offensive line comes together and Ryan Tannehill starts playing some ball, then Derrick Henry's numbers will go up. But again, this is a situation where people are going are gonna to have an eight-man line because they don't want Derrick Henry to run for 200-plus yards on them every single week. Now, again, I do have Derrick Henry a couple of my fantasy leagues as well. Now, I'm a big Derrick Henry fan, but it's not all Derrick Henry's fault. It's, yeah, it's Ryan Tannehill's inconsistent play. It's the offensive line that was sold on. And I've always said, if you're a fantasy football person, the offensive line is something that you got to keep an eye on when it, you know, when, it comes, when, it comes to, when it comes to playing fantasy football, especially especially in the, especially in the NFL itself. That's what you got to do. You have to concern yourself with the offensive line because it makes your running game better and it protects your quarterback. And trust me, people know, people know how, how, how that is. But for right now, with Tennessee, Tennessee's having struggles. And it's kind of weird because it's going to be Tennessee and the Colts for the two teams that are out of NFC South. Houston. Houston has played extremely well, has played extremely well on defense. But their offense has been offense has been hard has been horrible. And to me, Tennessee, if Tennessee had an offense, heck, they might be a big two and no in this division. And Jacksonville, Jacksonville is one and one, but Jacksonville's defense, I'm not sold on. There seems to be a little bit of life, a little bit of life, a little bit of life in the offense. Lawrence has had some ups and downs, but he seems to me he seems to play he seems to be a little better this year than he was last year's rookie year. James Robinson has made a, a nice recovery from the uh, ACL ACL injury. Uh yeah, Christian Kirk, who I thought got overpaid by Jacksonville, has played has played fairly well for himself in the first two weeks. We'll see if he can keep that up. There seems to be a little bit of um there seems to be a little bit of excitement in Jacksonville, but I wouldn't you know, but again, to me this is still, in my opinion, the Colts and the Texans. Yeah. I mean right now, the Colts may have I mean right now. The Jacksonville may have the best offense in this division. The best defense, I still think, is the Colts. And to me, I think this is the Colts division to win, providing providing they can get you know, providing they can find another receiver too. But for Tennessee, for Tennessee, what it's gonna boil down to is they're gonna have to ride Tanner's gonna step up his game. He's gonna step up his game, the offensive line is gonna have to step up its game. And they're gonna have to find another receiver other than Robert Woods and maybe you know and maybe Burks. Now I mean for right now. I mean for right now, you're trying to make the rookie Burks a number one receiver. Now, I get it in other places. I mean the the pressure is not on it's like if you go to the Jets, Garrett Wilson's not expected to be a number one receiver. Chris Olive 
of the uh, Saints. He's an aspect of one receiver because Michael Thomas is back. Now, again, you could make an argument that Atlanta wants Drake London to be the number one receiver for them, and he has played fairly well the first two weeks. But the point is, Burks, I don't think, is going to be that number one receiver, at least not right away. Maybe in time, he does. Now, I know the Tennessee Titans fan, they want Malik Willis, Malik Willis. Well, I get it, Malik is more mobile, the better athlete than Ryan Tannehill. I'm not going to argue that point with you. But the point is, to me, Ryan Tannehill is still the quarterback moving forward. And Ryan Tannehill will still give you a better chance to win a football game than Malik Willis right now. Now, if Malik, if Malik had showed me a lot more in preseason, and he blew my mind, then maybe I have a different opinion for you. But for right now, it's Ryan Tannehill still going to be the quarterback. He's going to have to get a hundred times better. The offense line has got to get, has got to come around, and the receiving core is going to have to step up its game. Again, offense because it, again the offense, I get it, still runs through one Derrick Henry, and it's hard. And, and but again, Derrick can't do it all by himself. But for right now, Tennessee fans, hopefully things will get better as time goes on. But for right now, Ryan Tannehill. And the rest and the rest of the offense has got to step up his game. It's got to step up his game. This is kind of like the Indianapolis Colts. What offense will eventually what, what offense will get better moving forward? That's gonna be that's gonna be the biggest the biggest thing in this division. Now, I don't think Houston's not gonna be Houston's year, and I don't believe Jacksonville is there is there yet. So it's gonna still come down to Tennessee and the Colts. And for Tennessee and the Colts. Which one has which one? What offense will finally get into gear? And what and what our offense does finally get into gear will be the will be the team I believe that will win this division in due time. Now we'll stay in the AFC and we'll talk about and we'll talk about yes, it is that time again that we start bashing my Cincinnati Bengals. Now, have you heard? Now you've heard the latest comments from the quarterback Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's tearing a page, tearing a page out of the Aaron Rodgers playbook. He's telling Cincinnati Bengals, you know, faithful in the media that to relax. Well, Joe, let me let me say this. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with you, and I don't really have a problem with the offense. Since you've come to this league, this is your third year in the league. And it's a miraculous job. He took a, a, a mediocre Cincinnati Bengals team and he took it to the Super Bowl and you had a chance to win if you had a better offensive line. So, Joe, I mean, Joe, to me, you don't have to prove nothing to me. Because, yeah, it, it's it's miraculous what you did last season. I'm not worried about Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is a pretty consistent, a pretty decent running back. Joe, I said Joe showed certain signs of potential. He always had that potential. And finally, it came out last year. Now, no, Chase, Higgins, boy, love the receiving core. I love to see Hayden Hurst get more involved in the offense. That's the tight end they got. Yeah, I think, you know, I love to see him get more involved. Joe, I'm not worried about Joe. I'm not worried about your offense. The offense, the offense, I'm sure in time will, will, will click. What I'm worried about for you, Joe, is this, is the offensive line. They may all, they, they, Put money to the offensive line this all season, so you would st- so you would stand upright. 
And Jerry Wesley got you well, I believe you're the most sacked quarterback in this league right now. So that's kind of what has gotten you, Jody. I'm not worried about the offense of my offense, and I will agree with you about the relaxed theory. I'm with you on that part. But, Joe, the problem is, is I don't want you to become an old, uh, a David Carr and don't have an offensive line, and then your career is cut short because of it. That is my concern. Now, again, the Bengals have, now Joe, you got to remember, you have a little bit of tougher schedule this year. Now, Grant Allen saying this, you had a chance to beat Pittsburgh, but you failed. You had a chance to beat Dallas. You failed in that regard. Now, I can sit back, and I, Joe, I can sit back, and I can blame you and blame you for it all. And some, there's some experts that are actually blaming Joe. But to be honest with you, I can't blame Joe. I mean, Joe can't play off it. Joe can't throw the ball. Joe, Joe can't block for himself. And Joe, yeah, he can't do that. Now, if Joe could lie for himself, maybe we're talking something different here. But the point being is this. Joe, the biggest problem I have is, is your offensive line. Can it protect you? I'm sure you guys will be all right. I'm sure you guys will uh, be able to throw the football. Or you'll be able to, you know, the offense. I'm sure the offense will get into gear. Defensively, the defense hasn't played that poorly in the first two weeks. I'm not keen on the secondary. And I have my questions about the linebacking core. But I, but I think the defensive line is as fine as fine as is. But the point is, Joe wants again. Joe wants somebody to relax. And Joe, it's hard to relax again if your offensive line is not is not playing as well as it should be. Now I know some people say, well, offensive lines they take time to gel sometimes. If you go ahead and get two or three free agency and put on the offensive line, it's going to take some time to gel. And you're right. I'm not arguing that point with you. It does take time sometimes to gel. But then sometimes off, some offensive lines just can't even snap on a finger. It can, it can click. And for, and for that, Joe, is my concern. Can the offensive line click in time? Because you have a tougher schedule this year. It's not an easy schedule. And I've said, I've said, you, and I've said it before that you, instead of being 10-7, and 7, I was going to give you the best bet I was going to give you was 9-8. At one point, I'll give you eight and nine, and I'm leaning towards. Like I said, I believe you'll finish eight. I believe the Bengals will finish eight and nine this year. Heck, they, heck, I'm sorry. Look at me. The Bengals will finish seven and ten this year. Now this week, they got to play the New York Jets, and I'm sure experts all over the joint, every, anywhere and everywhere, are giving the Bengals are giving the Bengals the benefit of the doubt of the New York Jets. The thing about the Jets, but, but the thing about it is, and I got to scratch my head. I got to scratch my head on it. Was not the Jets that beat the Cincinnati Bengals last year? Yes, I believe they did, and they beat them with a third-string quarterback, Mike White. You've got veteran Joe Flacco, Flacco playing this year, and Flacco has, hasn't played bad the first two weeks. You've got two solid running backs. You got a decent receiving core. So let's put it this way: I don't think it's no to me. It, to me, I expect the Bengals to play a little bit better offense with this week. I think it's time. I think it's time to. I think if I'm Joe Burrow and company, and I'm Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, let's see how good Sauce Gardner really is. And if Gardner's, if Gardner, you know, if Gardner steps up to the challenge, you've got T. Higgins, who, who, yeah, who played well last week, and you still got Tyler Boyd. Get Tyler Boyd more involved. Get Hayden Hurst more involved. You know, get them more involved in, in the work. 
Yeah, game plan. I mean, I know Chase is one of the better younger series in his game. Tiggins has been a pretty solid addition since he got drafted out of the University of Clemson. But the thing is, Jody Tiller's not going to relax. Well, the problem is, it's hard to relax. And you, Jody, probably won't come out in a minute. But the thing is, you're worried about your offensive line. And then again, it's not the offensive line I'm worried about. I'm worried about Zach Taylor. To me, I've never thought of Zach Taylor that good of a coach. I still think he was good of a coach. Now, I know Cincinnati Bengals fans are going to say, well, he did get you to a Super Bowl last year. I don't know if it, I don't know, and I really don't believe it was Zach Taylor got to the Super Bowl. It might have been the talent of Joe Burrow and company that got Zach Taylor to the Super Bowl. Now, can you imagine? I, can you imagine somebody like maybe Sean Payton had came in since would come into Cincinnati? Can you imagine a guy like Sean Payton do with the Cincinnati Bengals? He had probably t- if you had Sean Payton coaching the Bengals, I think the Bengals could probably win on, on just another game or two because of a, a coach like Sean Payton. Zach Taylor has not shown me anything really. And I believe there was a stat that I think I think every year that he's been there, the team has always they've gotten off to the own two start. Now last year they've got ten seven, they go to a, to a Super Bowl. But the problem is, Joe, I mean to me, Zach's not that good of a coach. And I'm interested to see come twenty twenty three, which I know Mike Brown's not gonna reach out to know Sean Payton. I know he's not. And a lot of people always said Mike Brown is a a cheap guy when it comes to paying paying the money. Now now, Mike has kind of Mike has loosened the purse strings in the last few years. Has gotten that offensive line help. He's done a little bit of help on defense. So Mike has sort of loosened the purse strings a little bit. The biggest thing with Cincinnati is no free agency in that right mind. Right mind wants to come to Cincinnati. Now Joe, I mean that Joe Burrow, give the devil his due. He has kind of made it. He's kind of made it exciting for people to come to come to Cincinnati. Again, that's kind of the way. That's kind of the way in a way where Tom Brady has made people excited to come to Tampa Bay to play for him. Now, again, I know please don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing Burrow to Tom Brady. Burrow's about to win seven Super Bowls for me to make that comparison. But, but the one thing I'll say about Joe Burrow, he has made it a little more exciting for at least some free agents to want to come play for Cincinnati. It's a, I mean, it's a. Yeah, I get it. The Bengals are a talented, a young, talented team that. In the right situation, for the next you know a few years, could be an exciting, an exciting team in the AFC. I'm not denying that. I'm a Bengal fan. I do see that. But however, however, for Joe to say, tell me to sit back and relax. I'm sure the offense will come around. But my concern is, I'm concerned about the offensive line, and I'm concerned about Zach Taylor. Those are two things I'm concerned about. Can yeah now Burrow Burrow and I got lucky last year. And then he overcame the poor offensive line play and got to the Super Bowl. And his rookie year, they had all, they had poor offensive line play and he got knocked out for the season by Washington. He had poor offensive line play this year, last year, and he, somehow he luckily got to the Super Bowl. Well, this year, I'm interested to see if the offensive line they spent all the money on, you know, comes comes together. Can yeah, can Joe, can, yeah, can Joe, you know. Can Joe get the Bengals back into the playoffs? I've said the Bengals, I've predicted the Bengals would miss the playoffs this year. Now, I know Cincinnati Bengals fans may have lost my mind, but I have, I have not predicted the Kool-Aid that the Cincinnati Bengals have, yeah, 
have been serving. So the bottom line is, I worry about two things. I'm not worried about Joe. I'm not worried about the offense. What I'm worried about is the offensive line, and I'm worried about Zach Taylor. Those are the two things I'm worried the most about about when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's jump. Let's jump to the NFC, and and I don't know if you've ever heard this old expression. If you didn't have any bad luck, you'd have no luck at all. If, you know, I'm sure some of my older viewers out there has heard that saying, right? Well, that kind of goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If they didn't have no bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. Now, I give the Buccaneers credit. They're off to a 2-0 start. But every time you turn around and see like somebody is, is getting injured, it's like somebody can uh, step out of the shower the wrong way, turn the right, turn yeah, turn their ankle, break it, and behave for the season. It seems like it seems like something always happens. Um, of course, with the offensive line has been in shambles. I think yeah, since yeah, since well, since day one, since the uh, since preseason, since camp, they've had offensive line issues. And let's not talk about the receiving core. I mean, now we all know Mike. If you know Mike Evans. He's got a certain one game suspension for a a fight that he had with Marcus Lattimore of the New Orleans Saints in this past week. So he's going to be out. Chris Godwin, who's trying to come back from an ACL injury, he didn't play week one, but he sat out last week. He could very well sit this week as well. Julio Jones, he's got knee issues. We don't know if he's going to play or not. So right now you're looking at probably like Russell Cage, Brett Perryman, and could there be could there be a Cole Beasley sighting this Sunday? <clears throat> Maybe I, I guess you've not heard about it. <coughs> you not heard about now. Cole uh, Cole Beasley has has signed with Tampa Buccaneers. He's put on the practice squad, but he might be immediately called up. And he could very well play this week. But yeah, the Tampa Buccaneers seem to manage to somehow find a way to win. They're off the two zero start. A lot certainly has to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Now, you got to remember a couple of years ago it was the Buccaneers defense that helped can't get help them win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Now, last season it kind of struggled a, a, a little last season, but this year it seems to have gotten back on track. And this is one of the biggest reasons why they're two hundred. I know some people say, "Well, I mean, you think about it, Tom Brady in the." Buccaneers have not let the world on fire as far as the offense offense goes. Now, again, I can't, again, a lot of people want to blame, a lot of people want to blame you know, Tom Brady for this and Tom Brady for that. Now, because of the offense, but I don't care if you're Tom Brady, Dan Marino, John Elway, or you know, any other great quarterback or any quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame, you could be Joe Montana. The problem is if you keep losing offensive line at right and left, and you and you look around and uh, you're hitting most your receiving core is not going to play this week. Yeah, that becomes that becomes a huge a huge concern. Yeah, so to me, I know Brady's numbers have not been the greatest numbers in the world. He's not putting up blockbuster numbers, but. With Brady, the offensive line, the receiving core is beat up, dinged up. I can't really blame. I can't really put a lot of blame on Tom Brady. I mean, the Tampa Buccaneers been hit by injuries. Now, I'm sure Tom Brady probably wishes he probably would have retired, gone to the booth. You can't because of all these injuries and everything else that's 
calling on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He probably he probably wishes he probably wishes that. But let's you know, but let's be honest with you. I know Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans want to jump on Tom Brady, and of course Tom Brady still gets road killed, I believe, for the yeah, for the time he took away from the team, and I'll be honest with you, I was one of the ones that kind of bashed him for but Thomas, he, he promised, he promised his wife that he would take a, a vacation sometime in April, and that's what Tom promised, and Tom delivered on his promise. But to me, I still had, I know, to me, being a fan, I would have a little bit of a problem with it, and I don't now. Now, being the husband part of the deal, I understand what Tom means by it, because trust me, I'm married and I have two kids of my own, so from the husband's point of view, I understand Tom Brady's perspective, but the problem is when you got a job and you're doing, yeah, now, if you had a regular 9-to-5 job and you're on vacation that week and you decide to go somewhere with the family, that's a totally different story. But if you're in, yeah, but if you're in camp, it's hard for me to really believe that, hey, I gotta go away, yeah, with my family, but guys, I'll be back. To me, that was a, a thing that I wasn't a big fan of. But to be honest with you, you can't, I don't blame Tom Brady for the, you know, you know, for the offensive struggles. A lot of experts want to, I'm not going to, because again, your offensive line has been, has been has been dinged up since since the beginning of camp, and it's still being dinged up now. He lost a, you know he lost one guy to retirement, one guy to free agent to the Bengals. Again, I mean you you, you do have Mike Evans, but he's not going to be there this week. Godwin is going still coming back from an ACL injury, but he's got a hamstring issue now. Julio, Julio, Julio looked, looked good in camp when he first signed. Him and Tom Brady were were connecting like they had been like they had been teammates for ten years or so. But again, Julio's had a history of injuries the last few years, and Julio's not Julio. Now, granted, now, now, granted now, now we've gotten down to the point where we've gone out with signed Cole Beasley, we got Brett Perryman, and we got Russell Cage. Now, I'll tell you this, I kind of wish I had it. I, I, if, it, if, it, if it was all completely healthy, can you imagine Can you imagine the receiving core that you could have? You could have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Cole Beasley, and Brett Perryman. Yeah, you Russell Cage. I mean, dang, I wish I kind of wish I had that that depth at wide receiver who was all healthy all at one time. Now, Evans will be back next week. He'll be serving the suspension. Uh, Godwin's hamstring is, you know, and his ACL and his ACL injury. Godwin could sit out this week, but he could be back the following week. Julio, we don't know about his knee. Julio could could sit out again this week and maybe come back the following week. Now you got Beasley. Now I'm interested to see the hookup between Brady and Beasley, and that's going to be in, in sync. But for right now, it becomes very interesting. Again, like the Bucks, the Bucks Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has been the biggest key to why they're two and zero, and not so much Tom Brady. Uh, who 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 have ever thought you could say that? But again. And again, I think there is what, and again, I guess you heard reports that uh, Bruce Arians, he was on the sideline, and he got in trouble because he got in one of the, in the, one of the uh, Saints' face because of that uh, scuffle between Mike Evans and Marcus Lattimore. Um, he, got, he got in trouble because he got in one of the Saints' players' face, and he got, and the uh, NFL said uh, he will be fine or he will be not let on the sidelines if that, if that was to happen again. Again, I, you know, a lot of people thought that would be a concern that Bruce 
we get the itch to get back on the sidelines and feel that he's got a coach, that he's got to coach the team somewhat. And again, you know, again, Todd Bowles' pet, Todd Bowles' thing is defense. He's been a defense coach for many years in his league, so it's not surprising that Tampa Bay is playing solid defense. That's not a surprise. Offensively, yeah, again, the offense has struggled, but then again, injuries have been the biggest factor for, for the, uh, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fournette, he hasn't played that badly. Fournette has not played badly. So, it, it, with Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's that, it's that, they just have rotten luck. Now, hopefully that, that luck will, hopefully that luck will turn, will turn around. Maybe they'll get some, you know, some receivers healthy. Maybe an offensive lineman will come back and get hurt, and, you know, get healthy as well. But we'll see in due time. But for Tampa Bay, you're not playing the best ball, but you're two and zero. That shows me something about what type of team the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, really are. And we're about an hour, what hour and a half away from kickoff time between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, which is going to be on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, then you get an opportunity to catch that game between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Now. Both teams, both teams have um, had their ups and downs in the first two weeks of, of the season. Now, the question is, who now, who do I think is going to who's going to win this game? Now, Pittsburgh got new quarterbacks: Mitchell Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett. Now, Jacoby, both of them, Mitchell has been to has been to a playoff game, at least the Chicago Bears. Jacoby, Jacoby's been a, was a backup. For uh, many, for a few a couple of years under Tom Brady, actually he was a third string quarterback at one time because you had Brady, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and then you had Jacoby Brissett. He's been he played the Colts, played the Dolphins. Now, I like Jacoby's arm better than Mitchell Trubisky, but the thing is, Mitchell has been to the playoffs. Jacoby hasn't. As crazy as it sounds, I give Mitchell the edge just because he's been to a playoff game. Now, the offensive line becomes a very interesting question. The biggest problem with Pittsburgh last season was the offensive line. It was a huge, huge issue. Now, they've done some strides to try to make it a little bit better. Cleveland, Cleveland's had a decent offensive line the last few years, and it continues to be a pretty decent offensive line. They've lost, they've lost maybe a couple of offensive linemen here and there, but they still seem to produce a pretty decent offensive line. I gave Cleveland Browns certainly the edge on the offensive line. The running game becomes interesting. You got Najee Harris. Now Najee, of course, at the beginning of the season, Najee was supposed to get the ball. They were talking about getting the ball like five hundred times a game or something like five hundred times per season for the season. Again, Cleveland has a very good running back and Nick Chubb and his backup Kareem Hunt. You got an excellent one two punch. I give the I give the Browns an edge because they have a one two punch. I like this and Najee Harris, but I gotta give it the edge. If I go to the receiving core, there's really no competition here. I gotta go to the Steelers. Amari Cooper showed up last week. Him and Jacoby Brissett finally found some connection. It didn't get him the win though, but it was good news for them. It's Cooper and then nobody else. With him, you got Deontay Johnson. You got Chase Claypool, George Pickens. I guess if you heard, if you heard George Pickens was kind of uh, the rookie was kind of arguing that um, 
they need to pass the ball more and get the ball downfield more. Matt Canada, Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky had come out and said that the young man is absolutely actual is right. They need to do so. So I look for at least I look for Pittsburgh to try and push the ball down the field a little more tonight. And I say you need to, you, you need to ignore Najee Harris. Don't do that. But certainly the receiving core. Defensively becomes a very interesting thing here. Um Cleveland Cleveland got pretty uh Cleveland got pulverized last week and they got pulverized by the New York Jets. And that's a concern to me. You got a guy that's usually consistently a in the running for defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett. To me I thought Cleveland's defense was kind of underrated and I thought it could be a solid defense this year. Pittsburgh, again, Pittsburgh, I felt the same way. They had a bad year last year, but it's still one of the better defenses in this league. Now, to me, I, I gave Cleveland the edge when it came to, to, the, to the secondary, but Cleveland's secondary has kind of got lit up last week. I still I still like even some Denzel Ward, and I think Denzel could have a good game against Deontay Johnson. Right now, I would give Cleveland the edge in the, in, in the secondary just because, you know, Pass rush. I might have to give Cleveland the edge at pass rush. I do have Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. Yeah, it is out for you know for a few more weeks. Defensive overall, crazy as it sounds. I'm gonna give Cleveland the edge, even though I got let up by the Jets. I still think they have a pretty solid defense. When it comes to the kicking game, Chris Boswell has been one of the more is one of the more underrated kickers in this league. Pittsburgh Ward win this past all season. Now, with all that being said, is who do I who do I take in tonight's game? I think to be honest with you, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a low scoring game. I think both defenses will show up, they will play well, and I think it's gonna be one of those sixteen to thirteen sixteen thirteen type of games. But I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the Cleveland Browns just the smallest of edge over the Pittsburgh Steelers. So sixteen to thirteen. If you wanna go nineteen to sixteen I'm okay with that too, but I'm gonna say Cleveland wins it 16 to 13, and that's that's my prediction. I'm interested to see another another AFC North beat down because it doesn't matter who it is. If it's the Bengals, the Ravens, the Steelers, or the Browns, they all beat up on each other, and that's what the AFC North has been. Yeah, for many you know for many years it's beat up on you. And I think this Cleveland and Pittsburgh game is gonna be exactly what it is. It's gonna be a knockdown drag out I would expect nothing 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 less from these two teams but I will take Cleveland in a slight you know, just the slimmest slimmage of edge over the Pittsburgh Steelers now for the last thing we will discuss is and I guess for my Dallas Cowboy fans did you did you read <laughs> did you read the article that Jerry Jones it came out and said he, he was hoping that Cooper Rush he was looking for a quarterback controversy that he believes Cooper Crush, Cooper Rush, could challenge Dak Prescott if Dak gets back. Now, of course, we all know the reports that Dak might be out six to eight weeks. There's no report that he could be back within four weeks. At least that's what Jerry Jones is believing that Dak will be back in four weeks. But Jerry Jones is looking for a quarterback controversy. He wants Cooper Rush to continue to play well to the point where he makes Mike McCartney and the coaching staff say, "Hey, maybe we need to keep Cooper Rush." In the lineup now, again, this situation was done a few years ago where Tony Romo was the starter. He got hurt. Dak came in. Dak took over. The team excelled, and then Dak ended up being the starter. And then Tony Romo ended up retiring 
the following year. Now, in this situation, I don't see this scenario get played at more. Now, they give Cooper Rush his credit. Cooper is 2-0 as a starter for the Cowboys. He has come in and done what he has managed to keep to keep it afloat. He played well last year in the one game he played, and they did win. Now, he didn't play, he didn't like the ball on fire this past week, but when it counted, he drove the ball, and he drove the ball downfield. They kicked a field goal. They won the game. Again, Cooper did what he had to do. But let's be honest with you. Now, Cooper did not exactly like the ball on fire in preseason. He kind of struggled a little bit in preseason, I thought. And to me, there was some point in time where there was talk that maybe Will Greer from the uh, University of West Virginia, of course, the was Will got drafted by the Carolina Panthers. There was even talk that Will Greer might be the backup toward t- to Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. Now, again, let's be honest with you, didn't they cut both Cooper Rush and Will Greer, but they brought them back? So, there's, see, again, what that means is there's not another NFL team that thought that much of Cooper Rush or thought that much of Will Greer to say, hey, you know what? We can't let we can't let Cooper slide through the uh, waiver wire. You got to bring him on back in. Now, let's be honest with you, Cooper Rush. Now again, Cooper Rush had a little bit better offensive line play last year. Now, granted, he still had Zeke and he still had Pollard, but again, he had but he had a better receiving core last year. He had Cooper. He had a healthier Michael Gallup last year too, and he had C.D. Lamb. He had Dalton Schultz. Okay, so I'm with you. Yeah, so. Cooper looked better because he had better help around him. But let's take a look. Let's look at a year later. Okay, uh, the offensive line is not is not is mediocre. Yes, you still got Zeke and you still got Pollard. Now here lately, it seems like Pollard is playing outplaying Zeke. Zeke's numbers have gone down the last several years. There's no Cooper. Gallup is still hurt. Yes, you got C.D. Lamb. Dalton Schultz got hurt last week in the game against against the Cincinnati Bengals. He could be questionable to play this week. <coughs> so the way I'm looking at it is, is you got CeeDee Lamb, whoever else you got a receiver. So to be honest with you, Cooper's going to have a, a tough, a tough task ahead of him. Now, now do I think, and there's no way in the world that I really believe Dak is going to unseat. I don't believe that Cooper's going to unseat Dak Prescott as a starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't see that happening. Not once, not whatsoever. To me, for that to happen, Cooper would have to would, would have to put up some amazing numbers. He's going to throw for three hundred, maybe four hundred yards. For I think, for I think, for Mike McCartney, the rest of the coaches had to say, you know what, maybe Cooper is the answer quarterback after all. And let's be honest with you, if you paid a man, you paid a man forty million. I mean, you're paying forty forty million per year. He's got, he's got to be doing something right to make him pay you $40 million a year. Now, Dallas Cowboy fans can sit back and say this, that um, I guess ever since they paid him the contract, Dak seems to be falling into the injured, yeah, injured bug category. You can certainly make that assessment, and that would be a fair assessment to make too because he's been injured prone, which to me made all the difference in the world why Dallas didn't go to get a veteran quarterback. Cooper Rush is never the answer. Will Greer is never going to be the answer either. I'm surprised he didn't reach out and try to get a veteran quarterback. There was talk with last week they were going to try to get Ryan Fitzpatrick to come out of retirement, the retirement booth and let him be the, uh, come in and be the quarterback. Um, I always joke, I always joke that 
they should have gone and got Jimmy Garoppolo and then back up Dak Prescott. Can't imagine Jimmy G coming in and replace Dak Prescott. Then maybe, maybe then you can have maybe a quarterback controversy. Maybe. But now, of course, they reached out to the 49ers, and now the 49ers look like the geniuses. They kept Garoppolo around because of Lance's injury, or injury to his ankle. Now, I, to be honest with you, I don't know what Jerry's trying to do. Maybe Jerry's trying to get trying to get the Dallas Cowboys hyped up. Maybe he's trying to put uh maybe he's trying to get trying to hurry and get Dak back and Dak and Dak can get ticked off back and he can go out there and throw a four hundred yard game or something like you know, something like maybe maybe Jerry's trying to get into everybody's head. The problem is the problem is Jerry's gotta realize that he has never had the same team that he had last year. A lot of people gotta realize the offense, the the Cowboys had the number one rated offense last year in football. And that's hard to believe, but it's the truth. Again, you had a Dak who played well last year. Not saying the offensive line didn't have some injuries on it last year, but it did. Let's be honest with you again. You had Cooper. You had a healthy Michael Gallup to go along with C.D. Lamb. You had a better receiving core. You still had Zeke. You still had Pollard. You had a much better offense around you last year. But Jerry's got to realize you don't have the same offense that you had anymore. You made the mistake. You let Cooper go. You had to let Cooper go because you need to get under the salary cap. And you're going to pay Cooper with a $20 million a year, I believe, to be a receiver. But again, Cooper uh, Cooper had done an outstanding job for, for the Cowboys when they brought him in. So I don't really understand. And I, to me, I don't understand. You know, Jerry has to realize and understand that he's going to have the same team that he had last year. That he's, he's relying on these second or third year receivers or guys that he pulled out of the, uh, yeah, what is it, USFL or whatever it is to bring to bring them in and thinking they can play, you know, they can play football. Now Turbin, Turbin was a pretty good return, man. I think that's probably what he's gonna be doing mostly for the Cowboys is return is your return, man. And I think that's what that, you know, that's what he's gonna do. But to be honest with you, for right now, crazy sounds, it's gonna be the Cowboys defense that's gonna have to carry is gonna have to carry him, not the offense. Now again, Cooper's not going. Now Cooper, I can see if Cooper gets lucky and keeps and, and just keeps the ship steady until Dak gets back, then Cooper's done his job. But Cooper's not going to replace Dak Prescott. I don't care what Jerry Jones is trying to convince. Is trying to convince people. Maybe he's trying to. Uh, maybe it's a message sent out to Dak that hey, you need, you need to hurry up and get your butt back here because Cooper Rush might be able to replace you. Maybe that's a Jerry Jones thing. Maybe that's what Jerry's thinking. He can get into Dak's head. Try to hurry up and get Dak back. But I think Dak, Dak is not going to buy it. Dak is going to take his time. He's going to make sure that his thumb is, is healthy before he gets back in there and plays and plays football. you got to remember last year, Russell Wilson, he got hurt. I think he had, a, he had a thumb injury last year, and Russell wasn't really the same until late in the year. He had a, you know, he had a thumb injury. And to me, Dak's not going to come back in, and he's going to be you know, throwing 500 yards he probably is not. He's probably going to struggle because their thumb is not going to be one hundred percent. He's got to get the have to get the kinks out. But for Jerry, Jerry needs to pump the brakes on him. That Cooper Rush can replace Dak Prescott. No, no, he can't. This is not, this is not a day and age where you had Roger Staubach and you had a guy like Danny White, Danny White, and Danny White came in to replace Roger Staubach. And Danny, at least Danny White did get the, did the, did the Cowboys into the playoffs. I gotta give Danny that. 
this is not a Roger Staubach, Danny White situation. No, this is Dak Prescott, a Cooper Rush situation. And Cooper, yeah, and trust me, Cooper is uh, Cooper Rush is not going to replace Dak Prescott. And I think all this is is Jerry trying to get into Dak's head and trying to get him to hurry, come on back, come on back quickly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I have time for this episode. Take care, and I'll see you again very soon.